Welcome to Open to Hope Radio with your host, mother-daughter team, Dr. Gloria and Dr. Heidi Horsley. This show is brought to you by the Open to Hope Foundation with the mission of helping people find hope after loss. This show has been edited for your convenience. Now, Open to Hope Radio. We are talking today about finding peace and light after loss. And our second guest is Pamela Prime. Pamela Prime is a mother, grandmother, spiritual director, and author of When the Moon is Dark, We Can See the Stars. She has survived the loss of two children and a divorce. Through it all, she has found peace and light deep within. Welcome to the show, Pamela, and welcome back, Gloria. Thanks, Heidi. Well, welcome, Pamela. Thank you. We were just uh, saying that you're one of the, our writers for the foundation, which is great. So you can go on opentohope.com uh, and hit on Pamela Prime and, and read some things that she's written for us. And, so, and her and her uh, profile page will also take you to her website. Yep, absolutely. So Pamela, let's talk a little bit about your experience and your journey. You've written this wonderful book. When the moon is dark, you can see the stars uh, awakening the spirit within, which is just absolutely full of wonderful advice and and um, and your story and having people find their own story and your story. It's it's a quite an amazing book. Thank you. Could you tell our audience a little bit about your experience and and what you've been through? <clears throat> well, I, I I'll tell you. I think I. I would like to begin by saying the reason that I wrote the book was because I I have a lot of joy in my life. And out of that joy, I felt called to write and to support people in moving through the things that are so difficult in their lives. When uh, I was uh, 30, uh, my, my baby died of sudden infant death. She was four months old, Maggie. And uh, that was the first thing that happened to me that just really uh, caused me to to wonder if if life if I could continue to live really it was a shocking uh, experience and uh, I remember it happened when we were in New York and I remember flying back to California where we were living and and crying the whole way and wondering if uh, if I'd ever stop crying then uh, my 16-year-old son uh, committed suicide. He and his brother had gotten some firecrackers and they burned the house uh, down with the firecrackers and we came home, the fire trucks were there. I don't think he ever got over that um, that experience. He was, uh, he was a wonderful kid. And uh, I'm not sure all the reasons that uh, caused him to drop down into the depths of darkness that uh, eventually led to the suicide, but uh, in 1981 he he died uh, by his own hand. So um, I think it was a few years after that that my husband and I divorced, which was another very traumatic experience. And I I think um, those experiences have. Uh, I was listening earlier to Kim. And she said, we're like velveteen rabbits getting more and more real. I think those experiences really were amazingly uh, powerful in awakening me to who I am and who I really want to be. Now, you were um, 
uh, in graduate theological school yes. when, when Sean died? Yes, I was. Uh, and so uh, you do talk a bit in your book about your religious experience and, and turning to God for help. Yes. With uh, those kinds of things, so so that was a time. Uh, did you question your God at that time? No, <clears throat> there was a moment uh, when I when I found out that Sean had died that I I asked God, where where were you and how did you let this happen? And it really and truly was only a moment before I realized that we remember. I should say that we have free will, and that um, there are certain things that. God doesn't do, and uh, one of them is interfere with our free will. Now, for our audience out there who's just suffered a loss, uh, um, how did you get through this? I mean, uh, you know, what what kinds of things did did you find that were helpful for me? Mm-hmm. Well, when Maggie died, I was young, so I didn't really have a lot of tools or uh, the ability that I have that I developed. Uh, when Sean died, I was a, a lot more aware, and I had already been through a death, so I knew that I was going to survive. Uh, I didn't know how long it was going to take. But I, I think that the thing that has really benefited me more than anything is to honestly and openly stay present to the feelings that emerged within me, whether it was fear or rage or hatred or whatever it, whatever it was that, that came up, uh, to really be present to myself with those feelings and feel them fully. And the world doesn't always want us to do that, do they? Oh, there's not support for that. No, there isn't. But I learned how to do that while holding myself with a felt sense of love and compassion. And I think I learned to love myself as I did that. I... I know how to love other people and to listen to other people, but it took some time for me to learn how to love and listen to myself with compassion. Now, what if I'm there hearing this, but I'm like, I don't know how to do it. I know, I know you have some ideas in your book for people about writing and and that kind of thing. Well, I think it's very difficult to do a lot of this all by ourselves. <laughs> and I I am fortunate in having had an awful lot of support through the years, uh, friends and um, therapists, spiritual directors, who listened very attentively to me and taught me how to listen to myself. And you talk in the book about your story and about people telling their story, the, yes. the importance of it. Yes, it's extremely important. I, I did it. I, I really believe that I did a, a tremendous piece of healing for myself when I wrote the book. Uh, it took me a long time. It took me seven and a half years to write that book. I actually wrote it very quickly, and then it took me seven and a half years to write it artfully and truthfully. So as I was writing, particularly the emotional parts about the deaths of the children and also my relationship with my first husband, I spent a, a tremendous amount of time in prayer reflecting on the question, is this really the truth? Is this really how it is and how I feel? And it was very provocative for me to do that. So there were many things that I found within myself that I really needed to release in prayer and with love and compassion and move on. Mm-hmm. So now do you you run uh, workshops and things also for people? 
I do. I ran a spirituality center for women and men for a, for a number of years and taught spiritual direction. And now we live up in Twain Heart, uh, where we have three guest houses and people come on retreats. We do a prayer and healing circle, uh, which <laughs> which came about because a year and a half ago I, I I was diagnosed with second stage lung cancer. Oh my goodness! Yeah, and. Uh, uh, by staying present to the mass in my lung and listening to it as as if it had a story to tell, which it did, I um, was being rolled into the to the uh, emergency not the emergency room for surgical biopsy, rolled into the uh, uh, room for surgery, and the nurse came rushing in and she said, "Stop! We're not going to do this. Your mass has almost disappeared." Mm-hmm. So after that, I started the healing circle to support people in knowing that we have the capacity and the power within us with God's love and care to uh, free ourselves from things in our body that don't belong there. So how would people get in touch with you if you're interested in your going into your center? Or I think the best way would be, well, there are two ways. You can go on whenthemoonisdark.com or uh, Two Bears Dancing, that's T-W-O, twobearsdancing.org. Okay, uh, all right, so you'll be able to find her there. And I wanted to, I received an email last night, and I, I had emailed it to you because I thought it was um, kind of amazing that we, I got this email right before this show because uh, what Angie, who sent us the email, is asking for is a lot of what we're talking about today. So uh, I want to read this email and then have you comment on it. Angie says, I'm a 27-year-old woman uh, who lost her mom, and she requests that um, she said that it's that we do a show about family, mental illness, and death. Uh, Angie says that death is complicated enough to begin with. Losing a parent with mental illness makes it even more complicated. And she tells us that she's seen her mom's therapist, and it's been wonderful, but um, that she is very introverted. Heidi, I think this is interesting, that she's very introverted, and that the radio shows have really been her bread and butter for her grief. Mm-hmm. That is interesting. And this is what she was wondering. I'm also wondering if, and by the way, we will do a show. I, I told her I'm looking into September now, but I will definitely do a show on losing a parent with mental illness. She's interested in a, in a parent that does not die by suicide because she comments that uh, there's a lot of, um, you know, a lot of, a lot written about mental illness and suicide, but not much about dying of uh, some other, you know, cancer or whatever and living through mental illness along with that, which has got to be quite a, quite a challenge. So uh, she was wondering if we had a book or a website suggestions that relate to writing after loss. And she says, I think writing would be helpful for me. However, I feel I need more direction with what I write because I go to pick up a pen and my brain is just too flooded with thoughts and emotions to get anything written that makes me feel better or that feels useful to my grief. Now, what what would you be to your advice to her? Well, well, the first thing I, I guess I'd like to say is that I think Angie is an, is an amazing woman. I am struck by how appreciative she is, how loving and compassionate and caring, and um, how clear she is. Mm-hmm. And she's obviously very determined. She knows what she wants. And uh, I think she's going to get it <laughs> with no problem. So I, first of all, I'm very impressed with, with Angie. Um, 
it's a, it's not an easy thing to sit and write when the emotions are so raw as you, as you know well it would be really wonderful if she had uh maybe with the help of her um her mother's therapist who is now her therapist maybe she could arrange some time where she could uh, write some of the things in her presence or with the presence of a, a caring person, a person who didn't have any um, need for Angie to feel any differently than she feels, to allow her to fully feel the emotions that are within her, because I think that's the most important thing. I, My husband, my present husband, was an incredible gift to me during my writing because he he... Uh, listen to every single word that I wrote and it allowed me to emote in a way that I don't think I could have had I had to do this all by myself. And, and now, Pamela, don't you have on your website, it's coming back to me right now, a little YouTube clip yes. of you talking about your experience and I rem- it's triggering something in my memory. You at some point wrote, but then you put chalk, you did some drawing over your writing. Oh, yes. I do that all the time. I use chalk and colored pencils in my journals. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I don't even have the words, and so I'll use colors to express what I'm feeling. And after I do that, I can often write then what it is that I need to write. So I have my journals from uh, way back, uh, the ones that I I wrote in and, and drew in, uh, because I couldn't couldn't express myself. Sometimes I would just write a word and just use colors. Mm, what a great idea! So you don't. It doesn't have to be. You know, you can do different things. Well, I, I just wanted to say to Angie, I would also recommend that you get Pamela Prime's book, When the Moon Is Dark. You can see the stars because you have. Um, you t- kind of tell people how to write in here, and you have questions where they can ask themselves questions, reflection questions. Right. Right. Yes which would help to uh, structure her into being able to write. Yeah, that's so, very true. Yeah, so that that would be a great thing to do. But I, I think that we keep kind of making the point here that it is very helpful to find people to help you on your journey. Oh, it is. It, it's, I, don't, I don't know what I would do without my friends and support system. And I hear that from other people who I support. So there's a way in which we... We really help each other grow, and I, I really like what Kim said, we move from glory to glory. You know, there's a way in which we really help each other shine. Mm-hmm. And I think if you're open to looking uh, for someone, um, Angie said she's a bit introverted. If she could um, maybe kind of look for a group, uh, she could even do a compassionate well, compassionate friend, she can't do that as a mother. But um, if she looks at her community, sometimes it's great to go to the religion of your childhood and you can and sometimes find some support there if you haven't been actively religious. That's right. You can go back and uh, find some people. And you could also just find a writing group also. Yes. There's some wonderful writing groups around. It would be It would be a wonderful thing to have a writing group that was open to Angie expressing her emotions but as you re, you know re, recalled earlier there's not always people who are who are open to hearing those raw emotions and yet it's so important to them mm-hmm. heard and well well good luck to you Angie on your your journey and your 
um, trip and and what would you call it her path her path yes and I, I just really trust that she's going to be blessed along the way and all that she needs will come to her because she's she's just a loving and compassionate person I, I'm impressed with her absolutely yeah so as far as finding peace after these kind of losses in light what do you recommend to people well you know the age old uh, saying that we have to come to the to terms with what is and especially those things we can't change and that's a hard thing to do it's a very hard thing to do and and nobody can force it or make it happen faster but when it does it feels like a tremendous blessing and moment of grace and uh, a moment of great gratitude and it can take years yes and that's where we have to be patient with ourselves I, I think it's it's just a matter of time and the more I found, the more I really felt the feelings that I was feeling, the more I could accept life as it is right. and not wish it were different. And today I, I'm thankful for my life as it is. It's made me who I am. Well, Pamela, um, just uh, you've been through a tremendous amount, uh, loss of two children. Um, you know, now you have lung cancer. I guess that's resolved. Yes. Uh, you're running a, a center um and the idea that you have found peace and, and light is is an inspiration, frankly. Thank you. Heidi, did you have something you wanted to uh, ask Pamela? Yes, I was just wondering, Pamela, I know you talk a lot about your truths and your beliefs, and I was just curious to know what truths you learned about yourself after your children died. Well, I think that probably one thing is I learned how strong I am but I think more than that, and almost on the opposite side of the scale, is I learned how dependent I am on love, on the love of God and the love of my family and friends and community. And with that awareness, I really think I have gotten to the place where I have just surrendered my life to uh, whatever is in the moment. And when that lung cancer diagnosis came, I felt really the incredible sense of what freedom it is to to surrender the control because I don't have it anyway. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's, <laughs> That's always such a good point. The more we try to control our lives, the less control we really feel like we have. Yeah. And it's it's a heavy burden, really. And you're trying to argue with what is. Exactly. It's a constant argument that yeah. 